Well, hello there, film fans, film lovers, film goers, and last but not least, filmmakers. You have tuned in to the Flickfair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. And yes, this is the place where you get everything all rolled up into one. And when I mean everything, I mean movie magic kind of everything. Romance, drama, horror, adventure, action, comedy, science, fiction, documentary, experimental, music video, and so much more. Yes, so much more that you can find over at flickfair.com. Now, how do you get involved? Well, simple. Find the little button that says get your festival pass to get your festival pass and dive headfirst into the world of cinema and watch any kind of film you like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But also for you, if you are a filmmaker, be sure to sign up and submit your film to the Flickfair Film Festival. But guess what? It doesn't end there because you can now take the movie magic with you wherever you go by simply getting the Flickfair app. Go to the App Store or Google Play and look for Flickfair. Now, here's a teaser of all the exciting shows we've had right here at the Flickfair official podcast. Have a listen. Third Eye Blind uh, went on tour without a new album and they decided to kind of play the... Uh, the hits, as it were, and this is after a 20-year anniversary tour, and we headed out with them and decided to explore their fan-favorite motorcycle drive-by, which was a which was a song that didn't really get radio play and wasn't used for commercials, but connected with the fans uh, in a certain way that their hits didn't, and we wanted to explore that uh, um, connection between band and fan in motorcycle drive-by. And my name is David Wexler, and I'm the writer-director of this film. When the love of his life is kidnapped and held for a ransom by terrorists in North Africa, a war hero Brad Paxton races against the clock to rescue her in a daring and a deadly operation. My name is Hisham Haji, and I'm the director and the producer of Redemption Day. Listen, sir. Those nightmares you're having ain't going away. You need to do something about it. I don't know if it's the right time for me to leave. You gotta trust me here. Morocco's beautiful. In Morocco, we have found something incredible. And we have been granted access to excavate. We have to be careful. We are very close to the border. Why did you choose sort of this somber kind of tone for your opening uh, opening wide shot with the so that's, composition? I wanted to give this feeling of a meditative space. Mm. That's her morning routine. I mean, as, as soon as she starts massaging that donut dough, it just feels like that's her way of meditating. Mm. And I just, want, I just want to give that quiet respect, that space for her. And and also you can see in her tone, in behind her softness, her gentleness, there's this something that she has to come over. Has It's her sort of past mm. and the difficulties that she had. So in every beautiness, there's this sort of a sadness, sadness to it. Yeah, without giving too much away, we're going to actually play a clip right about here. And uh, listeners, you can hear for yourself. 
So I'm Jean, I'm, I'm American actually, but Taiwanese. My husband's French, that's why I'm here in Paris. I came 28 years ago and I started making cookies for my children. It's developed into a, a cookie business and I opened my boutique four years ago. Back in the 50s and 60s, like everyone's dream was to go get their doctorate in sciences or whatever in America, right? My father, um, I think he came in 1958, he immigrated to Kansas because they had a very good engineering university. And then at that time, you weren't allowed to bring your wife and children over, you had to be employed. And so once he got that, he did this record four years time, and then he was able to, he got his first job, and then he brought my mother and my sister and brother over. And then I was born afterwards. So, um, I know, I'm gonna get sad. <laughs> okay, hold on, I have to recollect myself. Okay, where was it? So in Kansas, it's like the wheat belt of the U.S. There's all the, the wheat fields. And so there's this tradition of baking cookies. And um, I grew up with all these mothers baking cookies. And the story is basically revolving around a young scientist who becomes entangled in a military mission to deliver the only antidote that will save mankind. And then on her journey, she finds out she's not only fighting for survival, but also being confronted from demons from her past. Hi, this is uh, Jean de Morand. I'm the producer of the proof of concept short film, Megan. Yes, that's the kind of hijinks we get up to here at the Flickfair official podcast. Now, if you're wondering how you can tune in to all those previous episodes, it is so simple. Go to flickfair.com, click on the menu bar where it says podcast, and there it will take you to an archive of all our previous episodes this season. Now, you hear that? That is the sound of the weight of the world on your shoulders. But you have decided to flee from your responsibilities because justice has not yet been served. No, in fact, if anything, the world has been nothing but cruel to you. But war is raging in the lands, and the only hope that rests for your people is in your hands. What will you do? Well, our guest today is here to tell us all about that. Right after this, you're listening to the Flickfair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. There's no time like the present to get your Flickfair Film Festival Festival Pass. Go to flickfair.com, look for the button that says get your Festival Pass to get your Festival Pass. And then you can watch movies anytime you like. Flickfair.com. Did you know Flickfair now comes in an app? Yes, it does. Simply go to the App Store or Google Play and look for Flickfair to download the new Flickfair app and take the movie magic wherever you go. That's the Flickfair app available in Google Play and the App Store. Get yours today. The Flickfair Film Festival official podcast is here weekly with exciting interviews with equally exciting guests in the world of cinema. Yes, that's the Flickfair Film Festival podcast. Are you a storyteller? 
Are you a filmmaker? Well, now is your chance to get in on the excitement and share your vision with the rest of the world. Go to flickfair.com to register your film and enter into our monthly film festival contest. Yes, drama, science fiction, horror, adventure, the list goes on. Bring your story to the world and share it with us. Welcome back to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. Now, before the break, I tease that our guest today is here to tell us all about this amazing adventure story of hope and of responsibility. Well, let's not beat around the bush. Here's today's Logline. Logline. So the film is a story of a young shield maiden dealing with her past and her world is turned upside down when a wounded soldier crashes into her camp asking for her help. I'm Tara Lyle, the director of the short film I Know the Story of Hope. And there you have it, Flick Fair listeners. That is our guest, Tara Lyle, who's brought to us the film I know here at flickfair.com. Tara, thank you so much for joining us. It's absolutely a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Well, um, for those in the listening audience who have not yet seen the film, this is definitely a must-see film. It It does not watch like a short film. It feels, when you watch it from the opening frame to the, the ending frame, like you're watching either an epic TV series or an epic um, fantasy adventure film um, with just a snippet taken out of the whole um, arc of the film or the arc of the series. Uh, So if you have not yet seen it, I highly suggest you see it. Uh, um, That being said, Tara, where did this idea come from? Where did the story come from? Uh, It comes from my roots uh, and my let's say I could say from my background and from my from the stories from my family mm-hmm. even though it sets in the Viking era mm-hmm. uh, but it is it is inspired by the Finnish folklore and mythologies the mythology and, of uh, I know the, the chosen yes. one okay yes okay mm-hmm. in, in a way but I have to say that it's the film is inspired by them so mm-hmm. I have taken I have taken a lot of creative freedom in that sense, but the main main source of this original of, of the film is the Kalevala, which is the national epic of Finland, mm. which is which I could say is equivalent to Beowulf, for example, in, mm. in England and so on. And also, the Kalevala was a huge influence and inspiration to J.R.R. Tolkien mm. when when he wrote his work and Lord of the Rings, for example. And because Lord of the Rings uh, was kind of the first first uh, effect and thing that kind of inspired me to become a visual storyteller, it was mm. kind of a logical that ob- obviously the stories were inspired by fantasy and history mm. and so on. And also because the Kalevala and the film or about about the Shield Maiden, about Aino, uh, sets in the eastern Finland. Uh, area called Karelia Mm. Uh, and my family roots are there and my actually my grandfather uh, researched that the history of eastern Finland history of Karelia and when I was thinking about what is the stories I want to tell Mm. all these pieces 
these fractured pieces came together and then I just came up with this with this story and film and I have to say that like it's actually uh, a first part of a anthology trilogy that I've been that I'm working on at the moment oh. and each of the each of the films uh has a different character a different protagonist mm. they are not linear but they set in the same world in the same era in the same universe mm. and they are in that way they are linked and also each of the films has their own theme what they are dealing and just discussing about what what's so magical about uh the mythology of uh this particular era um linked with obviously with your roots that uh i imagine you growing up has has stayed with you what is so magical about uh these particular this particular canon of of stories and fairy tales and myths um that perhaps the rest of the world might not be familiar with can you can you say yes tell, i mm -hmm. i think it's like obviously because finland is a nordic country and there is a close connection to the scandinavian mythology and but however even that there are quite close connections it's it's quite unique compared because like i know that most of the people especially after marvel uh launched their amazing franchise mm. uh, people are more like they know more about thor and odin and loki for example mm -hmm. and they are like equivalents of those characters and legends in the Finnish folklore, but however, it's 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 slightly the tone is a bit different. There is a how could I describe it? It's 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 there are like those connections, similarities, but then there is something that no one has yet seen, mm. and especially because those stories have not been told for international audiences yet, and not in in larger scale in in film form anyway or in film medium. I feel that because I have that interest in the history and culture obviously and i have i i grew up with those stories i feel that those are the tales and stories that i want to tell the rest of the world that do not yet maybe know them mm. did you grow up uh um being immersed in this in this mythology as a child or was it something that you became a little bit more um familiar with as you yeah. as you reached into adulthood yeah, I, I could say that a bit of both, because mm -hmm. like since I was a kid, I was just fascinated, as I said, by Tolkien's work, fantasy worlds, knights, uh, doing crazy things and like adventures and just like this <sighs> hero's journey has been kind of like Joseph Campbell's theory of hero's mm -hmm. journey has kind of inspired me a lot. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I could say that like, yes, I grew up uh, inspiring like and thinking about that kind of adventures but these original tales and stories yes i i knew of them but like i wasn't i i wouldn't say that i was kind of completely hooked by them and i mm -hmm. wasn't like reading them all the time so that came a bit later because i was uh i was actually when the pandemic started, I actually moved to London to mm -hmm. do an MA in film and TV production at Met Film School here in London. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I started brainstorming different projects and different stories, what kind of a storyteller I want to be, what kind of films I want to make, obviously I was looking back to my roots because 
as a as a beginner filmmaker, it's it's obviously reasonable that you tell the stories that you you are familiar with, and they are kind of you are telling stories about yourself, your mm. roots, and so on. And I think when I was brainstorming the, the my graduation project and those those ideas, what I just described, I kind of as I said, I went back to my roots. I read uh, the the material my grandfather had written, and then I kind of found out and must and was inspired by all that, all those histories, the, all that culture, cultural uh, things and aspects, all that those myths and mythologies and folklore, and then it kind of hooked me. Yes. All the, they all deal interesting themes. Mm. They are somewhat relevant and similar to Scandinavian mythologies, as I said. And I also like, no, people have always been fa fascinated about fantasy and this kind of adventure tales. So it was kind of really natural for me mm -hmm. to go after these. You, you know, what's also uh, com quite compelling is the mm. fact that, um, for example, with the Finnish mythology, uh, you have in one of these central myths, but also in this story in particular, yeah. it's a heroine who is central to the, yeah. to the storytelling where so often, you know, growing up as kids, when we're introduced to fables and fairy tales and mythology, we are uh, uh, front facing with, with so many men who are yeah. the heroes or the villains, so to speak. <laughs> Um, who do not necessarily advance the advance the storyline, whereas yeah. here the central character is a woman. I know, yeah. um, both in the in the mythology, but also in in your film. Um, yes. What what is it about I know? Uh, what is it about her character that makes for such a compelling story? Well, that's I'm actually want to add something to to your to your thoughts about about that because um, one one thing why I was also so fascinated about the Finnish mythology and folklore was especially the strong female mm. characters uh, and protagonists. Of course, like there are the main the main tales are still because obviously they are old. They are like written and told in that cultural aspect and in that era but like i would still still say and it, i think it's also a, a very strong like theme in scandinavian and the nordic countries that the the the, the equality between yeah. like men and women is is quite strong yeah. and also because i feel that in finland they are like in the tales as, as i just told you are the strong female heroes and characters and i wanted to kind of with with Aino's case uh i kind of i felt that there is more because yes we have seen so many male warriors and heroes and yeah. their kind of origin stories but i i have always found like female heroes and protagonists more interesting yeah and like when i was kind of doing research for the film and when i started to brainstorm what I could do with her character, because the, as I said, the film is inspired by the original tale, but mm -hmm. I have changed and switched some bits quite, quite a lot in, in my film. Mm -hmm. um, and, but like, 
I think that for me, what is most fascinating about her is that she, well, she's brave, but at this at the at the same time, she's dealing with her past. She's having these inner demons uh, that she tries to deal with. Um, the way what she has done, what she has been doing is probably not the best, but nevertheless, she does not let anyone to step on her toes mm -hmm. and so on. And in this case, even though it's inspired by the, the myth and the, the old tales, mm -hmm. the reason why I'm quite, quite passionate about these female, female heroes and strong female characters is the influence from my grandmother mm -hmm. and my mother, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I realized when I was writing the script and brainstorming doing the pre-production and well, throughout the whole production of the film, I realized that in a way I was actually telling also the story of my grandmother mm. and because she was a huge influence influence to me. And I, I just I just felt that I wanted to bring her kind of uh, her personality to the, the to I know as well that she she didn't care about the outside world. She did mm. what she felt was right and so on. So, so I think these all things are uh, explaining why I think that I know is uh, such a, such a strong and interesting character. Well, let's, let's sink our teeth into the, to the story, both the story yeah. and the, and the, the tale. Now in the tale, I know is um, a girl, well, a young, young, let's say a woman child and her brother uh, enters a singing contest with the most famed singer in the in the land and loses and then pledges his own sister's uh, hand in marriage so yeah. she runs away and spoiler for people who aren't familiar with the myth she drowns herself um or well or more poetically she chooses to walk into a a river and never steps back out now yeah. in your tale in your film we have this beautiful opening uh uh frame where I know our heroine is sitting down playing a stringed instrument. What is the name of the instrument, by the way? Gondele. Okay. How do you say it? Say it again for us, please. Gondele. Gondele. So it's like a, similar to like a, a lyre a or, okay. Yeah. And um, uh, so she's playing this, this, this lovely stringed in instrument. I, I'm not going to butch the name. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. in the distance, a soldier comes stumbling forward. He's been, he's escaped, he's escaped a, a battle, but he's obviously uh, critically wounded. And um, he comes with news. What is this news that he comes with? He comes with the news that there has been an attack, mm -hmm. uh, that this like foreign force has invaded the land. Mm. And that the capital needs to be warned that they can prepare for the attack. Mm, mm. And in that moment, we suddenly, very, very quickly, but in that moment, we suddenly see that uh, I know is wrestling with her inner demons, as you as you mentioned earlier. Mm. She has a choice in in front of her. Um, now that's that's so interesting because when we think about all that, for example, the action films, adventure films, where we have the grizzled, um, war wary, um, hard lived hero, uh, hmm. 
where suddenly they they they've 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 uh, sort of um, extricated themselves from from the rest of the world, so they can no longer be 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 uh, bothered in a sense, mm. and then they're suddenly thrust back into it, and we know immediately that they have they have a choice in front of them. Do they do the right thing and 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 help? Or do they turn their back on on the helpless? And mm. uh, our heroine, she has the exact same dilemma in front of her. Um, she could be an action star. She could be an adventure star. She could be a homemaker. She could be a lover. She could be all these different things. But in this moment, we suddenly understand that she is wrestling with the weight of the world. Um, mm. When you got to this point in the, in the story, when you were writing the story and developing the story, mm. I can only imagine that your mind was racing with so many different directions that you could go in. Yeah. Uh, how did you come to the decision that you made? And, and what was that process like to, to sort of unpack uh, this, this really, really complex character uh, in, your, in your writing process? Yeah. That is actually a really good question because um, uh, I have to I have to point out a thing that actually the this short film or the well I know the story of Hulk because it's, it's just runs for what fourteen minutes. Mm. Obviously, I had a feature film, I like longer piece in my mind, mm. and I was kind of thinking uh, the theme and what would be the section, what would be the kind of sequence that I could turn into a shorter, shorter film. Mm. And for me, for me, it was quite clear that we want to see a heroine that is not like straight away, because I wanted to create conflict, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking that because she has all those kind of, well, all those inner demons from dealing with her family and what has happened in her past uh -huh. and all that kind of those things that she she tried to kind of figure out what to do um and because like she had turned her back to the society to her family and she just wanted to be alone she did not want to intervene in any way to the matters of of that kingdom mm -hmm. and then I kind of started to play with that. How could you create a moral dilemma in that sense? And then it just quite came quite natural to me that, okay, we have this wounded warrior that arrives there asking, pleading and just asking for help that mm -hmm. she has to help. Like her human sense and like humanity in, in, in her and her moral and everything, ethics were like that, okay, I, I have to help but how can I help him in a way that I still stay true to myself, to, to herself mm. in that case. And that kind of that part of the story, that was quite logical. That, that, that came to me quite quickly. However, how the ending, what would actually happen at the end was not that clear and yeah. that was the part i was brainstorming a lot and going back and forth and obviously because it's it's just just a sequence of the longer piece mm. um i kind of wanted to have 
I wanted to know what will happen at the end and how that will relate uh, in the longer piece, how, 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 what would happen to her and how that decision, what she makes throughout this film, um, what kind of impact that mm. has to her, her character, to her world and her choices in the longer run, if that makes sense. Trick question. With that, keeping, keeping that in mind, uh, do you imagine when you're writing this and ultimately later on when you, you get to filming this, do you imagine the, the ending of the short film with your eyes uh, sort of trained on the feature film, or do you imagine it when you are actually writing it and, and filming it as a short film with a button at the end? Meaning that, okay, well, even if I do get to this feature film later on, the audience watching this does not yet know there's a there will be a feature film incarnation of this. And uh, I, I bring things to some kind of uh, resolution, even if the resolution is a question mark. Which way do you, and which way did you um, attack that dilemma at the end? Yeah. Uh, well, the way how I tend to work as a creative and as a director and filmmaker, I always, I think that the film obviously has to have a resolution even if it's a question mark. And I also, because I love mysteries and kind of these puzzles and different things and creating these twists in, in my stories. Mm. So that's why, that's why it was quite clear that it's going to be a question mark. But however, I wanted it to have a resolution. Mm. Uh, nevertheless, there was this, that there is the longer piece. And I hope, uh, obviously, that when audience is watching, watching this film, they can kind of feel that, okay, this short sequence or section uh, kind of had a resolution. And for me, uh, if I want, if, if I want, if, if I summarize the story and, and what is kind of that resolution is, how will she answer to the warrior's call of eight? Mm. And mm. I feel, and I feel that is the resolution, and that is the main focus point of this film, and also how her character develops throughout the film. You know what is is so ironic is that uh, it in the very beginning, and I, I said this when we were opening mm. the, the the show, uh, the very from the very beginning, it has the DNA of a feature film, or. Yeah of an epic series, an epic TV series that we might find on HBO or uh, mm. Netflix or what have you. Um, it has all that DNA. And yet the scenes are contained in very, very, very simple settings. Um, mm. You know, there've been <laughs> uh, throughout, throughout, throughout the ages, so many different Hollywood films or Hollywood shows that command a multi-million dollar budget and and nothing about them scream okay this was made for 90 million dollars yeah um this film however from the moment it opens uh just really it just immediately said to me oh this this looks like a feature film or this i could see this on see this being like a a really 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 popular tv series um which is really compelling 
and is is a definitely a tip of the hat to you as a filmmaker and a storyteller. Um, when you are on the set and mm-hmm. you are communicating with your team, with your crew, with the with the actors, what have you, um, what was the sort of overall energy like? Did did the energy also feel like it was a feature film, or did it did you communicate it in a different way? Um, uh, so that there was a surprise looking back on it when when you were in editing. Where 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 were you in terms of uh, in terms of the stakes during filming? That's also that that is also a really good question, and I could answer to the to this by telling a um, a bit of more about the production of the film. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm so glad that you say that the the end film kind of makes you feel that it's it's a feature or a or a TV series or so on, because obviously this was actually well. In the end, I have to remind myself that in a way. <laughs> even though my mindset was not completely that this is a student film, but at the end, this is a student film that, which is my graduation project from, mm. from, from Met Film School. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was shot during the pandemic. Yeah. And the main challenge for me was that obviously I knew that I want to tell this story and I hope that I, I wanted it to set in, in winter time mm-hmm. in, in, in Finland and so on. Um, this was, we filmed, I know, uh, in in March 2021. Mm-hmm. And be sure to get your at Flick that time Festival I, Pass at Flick I decided because I came, I, I went to Finland for the holidays uh, in my mindset, like my mindset being that I would come back to London and start the production. Mm. But however, because of what happened with the, with the pandemic, I realized that it's not going to happen. So I had to decide whether I come to the UK and tweak and change the script slightly or the story slightly that I able to shoot it here. Okay. Uh, and that would allow me to use the resources and the network from my school, which was, which was a really good uh, resource to consider. Uh, however, I, I knew that I would struggle with the location and, yeah, yeah. and with, with, with the story, with the story, um, story arc. Uh, however, I knew that in Finland, I had the location, I had the, well, I had the props and costumes and that sort of things. But however, I struggled the most because I did not have the crew. I did not have the equipment or anything. Mm. So I had to, I, I knew that I, I made the more challenging uh, route in that way or chose the, like the challenging way of making the film. Mm-hmm. But now looking back, to it i know that i made the right call even though it was a it was a real challenge uh and like everything was done from we started with zero resources and we managed to pull this through so coming back to your question about what was the feeling on set i could say that obviously when i when i managed to assemble the crew and hire the crew um i obviously said that this is this is my master's project this is a 
student film but however i have a bigger goal in my mind as mm -hmm. i said that i have three films that i want to make and they are kind of well showcasing my skill and talent as a filmmaker and director but also they would hopefully in the future be a proof of concept for a feature or yeah. tv series wow so that so that goal was uh, throughout the process in my mind when i when i started brainstorming this this story idea and so on but on but on set uh it was it was very obviously yeah it was like micro budget and like it was there were there were a lot of challenges as on every set there is always when filmmaking it's always constant problem solving mm -hmm. but however all those people who were on set and saw the the costumes saw everything what we were doing they were super excited and said that like this this feels like we, we are not shooting a student film. We are we are making a making a feature or or something something. Mm. So yeah, I, I I could say that to answer your question that yeah it it, it was really good. There, there was a there was a lot of flexibility on on set, which was kind of because of schedule and because of the resources, but it was everyone was so excited about the stuff what we were doing and yeah and and, and uh um i'm surprised to hear that you say that uh, shooting it in the uk was an was was an original option um because uh no offense to the uk <laughs> no no <laughs> offense but in terms of the landscape for this particular story yes it it would not have sold it really would not have sold even if you're on a, a sound stage that was rendered to perfection the yeah. magic that exists in those Finnish landscapes that are authentic to this story yes. would would not resonate in the same way if you were somewhere in some enchanted forest in England for example um or Ireland so true or, uh it just would not read the same on screen it's like uh like any of us when we're watching watching a film or we're watching a tv series and then suddenly the hero has to fly all the way across the globe <laughs> and they're saying, okay, they're flying from New York to, I don't know where, let's say they're flying to the Sahara, but we know looking at the, the landscape, no, they filmed this in Arizona. This is, there's yeah. no way they did this. And, and all of a sudden the credibility just, just, uh, leaks out. Um, yeah. But in any case, what what you have here is absolutely stunning. Uh, listeners, our guest is Tara Elial. Did I say your last name correctly? Elial. Yes, you did. You did. And uh, he's brought to us the film I Know. And we have a clip for you. We'll be right back. This is the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast.
Find us here every week for the Flick Fair podcast for scintillating conversations with filmmakers and movers and shakers in the world of cinema. This is the Flick Fair podcast, and we are tuned in. Welcome back to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. Our guest is Tara Alayal, who has brought to us the film, I know. Uh, before we went to the break, we were talking about this magical landscape that we find in Finland. Can you tell us a little bit more about where you filmed this? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm from the southern parts of Finland, and uh, my father lives still back there. So actually, uh, we managed to find the location uh, from the area where my father is living. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was actually near from my father's cottage. So we were able to use the cottage as a kind of a, our base in a way. And the set was built not like, like 200 meters. Well, maybe a bit actually longer, further, further from, but like close to the cottage uh, in the, in the forest where we built oh, the, wow. the camp and the base of, mm. of Aina. Well, so your your father then lives not far from this this wonderful forest that we see in the film. Yeah, yes, because like I have to say that like if you want to shoot a forest scene, it's just so simpler uh, simple to to shoot in Finland because there are so many forests oh, yeah. and lakes. So that's why it was quite in that. And as I said before, that finding the location, uh, the shooting location in Finland was a bit of a bit easier than than here in London, for example. Mm. How much uh, how much daylight did you have? Because uh, you were getting onto the tail end of winter when you were filming. Is that, yes. is that correct? Yeah. Yes, that that was the point. So the one thing because obviously because of the production, uh, it was done during the pandemic and uh, we I have had to be very creative with with everything as you can imagine uh so one thing was it was a, like advantage for me was that most of the film happens at the night time mm -hmm. so because it was the winter time it gets really dark really early so yeah. we were able to start shooting at around 4 4 p.m 5 p.m Mm -hmm. uh, but however, because we shot the whole film in a one weekend, obviously when we were shooting the day day scenes, we we were we were kind of running running against the against the clock because mm. the sun sun was obviously setting and so on. So I imagine, for example, uh, if you wanted sunrise, you had to be really up at uh, yeah at, uh, yeah the crack of dawn to 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 catch all those those uh, moments with the the daylight scenes um yeah. the 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 amazing thing to me is because this you know for those of our listeners who have not been to finland who have not uh seen some of the beautiful beautiful geography of finland mm. uh you are missing out because it really really is quite breathtaking and in winter uh winter is like a whole added character to your film um we have, for example, we have some 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 nice shots of battle scenes, very, very simple sort of uh, morsels of battle scenes uh, mm. sort of sprinkled throughout your film. Uh, and and the one thing that we understand is it's not just the the, the battle that is 
that is uh, going to do this soldier in that comes to mm -hmm. Aino, it's the winter cold that is also a threat. Um, yeah. uh, what was it like filming in those temperatures? <laughs> it was a challenge, uh, but we were, it, it was, it was a challenge and I have to give so much credit to my wonderful cast, my, my actors, uh, Lotta and Apo, who played uh, the main, the main two characters in the, in the story, because mm -hmm. I know that it wasn't easy <laughs> to, to do the, to act in that, in the, that temperature, wearing mm -hmm. those clothes and yeah. props. Yeah. So, so obviously it was a challenge, but we tried, I tried to schedule everything that like we were able to have breaks and just kind of find creative solutions to make it as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was a good experience. Let me say that. Yeah. Now, what were you, uh, what were you shooting on? We were shooting on Canon. We actually had these good deal with the Canon Nordic that they actually via my DOP uh, we managed to get this camera this new Canon camera mm -hmm. uh, that we were able to use for the shoot and I want to credit uh, Canon Nordic for that because it was such a blessing to have that on on set and because my DOP Hanno was he's a real professional and he, he working with him was just so great and like in that sense everything that when that that was about technical stuff mm. i could completely rely on on his professionalism and like his experience to handle those things so we yeah we used canon for that well excellent choice the we know that canon is is always a cut above the rest uh when it comes to this sort of thing um mm. the images are really really pristine i I, I'm, I'm wondering when you are looking at filming in such a location as this and time is absolutely crucial, what is your preparation like? Are you storyboarding endless, endless images um, to have ready so that once you go into the location, particularly a hot set, um, pun intended, but going into a hot set such as this uh, with time being of the essence, um, is that what you bring with you? Uh, a, a thorough storyboard, yeah. um, shot, shot, chart, etc. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Cause like, I'm like how my brain works. It's just like, I see uh, images, visuals. I'm a like really visual person. Mm -hmm. So, and, and when I'm like making a film, when, when I'm working, I'm doing pre-production and so on. I want that everything is organized, planned before we go to the hot set, as you mm. said, mm. that I want to be as, like completely clear what we are doing, what we want to do. Because obviously if there are any issues or like we somehow go, something happens and suddenly we are behind the schedule, that, that we have that plan, organized structure, what we are doing and shooting, it's essential because then it al allows us to kind of do quick problem solving on set. Mm -hmm. And also I, I draw and sketch a lot. So I, I drew the whole storyboard. Oh, wow. And, okay. th and that, th that is also something what I, I, what I have, what I have done to all of my projects, because it kind of helps me to understand the whole 
film before I have even shot it, before I have seen it, like based on, on, on the script. And I start to brainstorm how I want the end result to look like. So yes, now, I, I, I do a storyboarding. Now, conversely, were there any improvised or spontaneous moments during the filming uh, uh, <laughs> when you were behind the camera? Yes. So just quickly what happened, this actually relates to the previous question about the light. So I had, because in, in the film, as you probably know, there are like two main uh, night scenes that are happening around the camp. Mm -hmm. around the fire mm -hmm. and obviously i had scheduled that we would shoot the one because we had three days to shoot this whole thing so i divided that we would shoot each of those two scenes per one night meaning that we shot the first the, that we would have shot the first scene on friday and the second one on saturday however due to the light and like few issues what we had we were not able when once we finished shooting on friday we still had two night two scenes to be shot at night time so the schedule we had to reschedule everything and i had to find a way how we were able to shoot the two i'm i'm going to say that how we were able to shoot these two scenes almost simultaneously uh, that we managed to get them done. Mm. So I had to kind of obviously uh, mix and like tweak the shots, what we were doing, and also kind of shoot the two, two scenes that we did not, you know, that when we started shooting, we shot both of the scenes from the same angles. Mm -hmm. And then we, I, I just said like, okay, here's a pause. Now let's reposition the actors and let's just keep rolling. And that's what we did. So yes, there were on that set and set and on that production, there were a lot of creative uh, things what were happening, as I said. Now the 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 interesting thing that you, the interesting interesting choice that you make uh, here, which I think absolutely works in my personal opinion, is that there weren't. Uh, for example, in a number of in a number of number of films and series that would be mm. considered to be in the same genre of uh, mm. adventure, fantasy, etc., we we get a lot in the way of cinematography with these sweeping shots and these these um, dramatic dramatic uh, sometimes over choreographed shots um, mm. that uh, take away from some of the intimacy. Uh, yeah. uh of the of the scenes um i I'm, I'm sure that was a choice that that you had in front of you before you got to the set um yeah. now why did you uh decide to go against the grain and keep uh for example these nice shots locked lock these locked shots for example where we mm -hmm. see i know framed in the center of the frame and and um the the moments where we see her we really see yeah. her and we're not kind of overwhelmed with a lot of camera movement and a lot of um, herky-jerky choreography, so to speak. Well, it was quite obvious for me because the main point of the whole whole story is her development and mm. her kind of inner struggle. So I felt that if we were kind of... I, I felt that it was unnecessary, obviously, and, and it wasn't the way to kind of highlight her story. So that mm. was... Because 
even though it sets in those ancient times and there is the, the threat of war, there is those warriors fighting and there, there are those battle scenes. But nevertheless, the main point was about this on this young shield maiden who just tries to figure out what to do in her life mm -hmm. and like how to deal with everything she has experienced in her past these different triggers the, the warrior who arrived and so on so I, I felt that like if we we were play like having all these like tracking shots and everything and moving with the camera that would have not kind that would would have not been the right way to tell her mm. story if that makes sense and and uh yeah it absolutely does and uh it sets up for example if if a feature does come where we see more of her in the future it sets up a uh brilliant juxtaposition if she ever ends up on the field of war for example yeah. um because we we see her in this intimate this 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 intimate uh, setting where we begin to really understand who she is and then to thrust her into battlefield for example mm. um would really really cause an audience to empathize with her um you know so many of the 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 heroes that we see in films um they lack a they lack a sense sense of um connection to the audience because from the moment they hit the screen all they're doing is kicking ass you yeah. know so there's yeah, yeah. there's there's nothing there's nothing that really really has invited us into who they whom they are so yeah. that when a moment of intimacy arrives and they kind of reveal themselves sometimes it's laughable but here is the exact opposite we are immediately drawn into uh this character and mm. and her her sort of evolution that's that she's going to be facing um editing wise this must have been this must have been a gargantuan task for you editing editing this story um yes. talk, talk us through your editing process uh what was it like and and how did you how did you approach uh, editing well, I have to admit that obviously I have to point that the whole, as I, as I told, what I told you about the pre-production that I decided to shoot in Finland with limited resources and just like trying to find people to collaborate uh, and just like building up those, those um, networks and so on. So I, 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 I could, I'm going to say that actually editing this was probably the main challenge mm. of the whole, whole film because what happened, um, there were various reasons why I then ended up uh, editing this myself. Uh, and that, was, that had its pros and cons mm -hmm. because as I've been... What, what what I have told so far, I, I came up with this story, I, I wrote the script, I, I draw, sketched the storyboard, uh, I was on set, I had a really close connection and, and a vision how this film works, obviously. Uh, but I mean that I was so, when, when, when we had finished uh, shooting, and I started going through the rushes and kind of st structuring the story. The first cuts 
where it, because of because I was so involved mm. in that story and I was kind of blinded and I knew that but I just could not find a way to kind of think out of the box let's put it that way because okay. because I, I okay. had because uh, I knew the script from like I was living and bre- breathing the story and I know so yeah. I feel that like that was that was a kind of danger that I was so emotionally uh, invested yeah exactly emotionally yeah. invested in the story that I could not make the best edit out of it if that mm. makes sense and like I tested like I'm not gonna lie to you. I edited 20, 21 cuts oh, from, wow. this, from this film, and it's just a short film. So imagine, like it was, and when once I actually felt that okay, this is it. Now I have tried everything what I can to kind of tweak the different scenes and like what and setting up the her character in the best possible way and so on. But then I actually had a chat uh, with my friend. And they had also like they were they helped me on the set and so on. And when they saw the the film and the cut, they said that it's good, but there is something what we could do uh, to improve it. Mm. And I because I knew I I knew that that was the case. But however, whatever I tried, I kind I wasn't able to achieve that by myself. Mm. So I wanted someone. So I asked her to kind of just please take this edit and take the take these rushes and just it 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 doesn't need to be polished edit just like give me like some kind of cut how you see that this story flows the best Mm -hmm. possible way because there were two sections that I struggled with Mm -hmm. and then they said my, my friend said that yeah I'll do that and she spent some time editing and made these like very interesting and really uh, nice tweaks to the story. Mm. And when I saw that, that kind of helped helped me to expand my view or think out of the box with the story. And then it struck me that I realized that, okay, this is how the story needs to flow and so on. So that kind of helped me to solve this, the, the main struggles and issues i had it's uh it's 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 ironic in a sense because it having a fresh pair of eyes particularly yeah. when you are invested as you were in the and the in the rendering of the story is absolutely priceless um Indeed. for example if we were to draw a parallel a writer gets an editor um to fine tune and polish the sort of final edit so to speak of the story um before it is published at a book publisher and Indeed. and in this sense and so many writers always talk about oh my my editor has told me to do this to change this but this needs to stay but then again i understand because i'm i i'm not looking at it from an outside outsider's perspective yeah um that that is that is really really interesting and fascinating to hear i'm sure many of the filmmakers in the audience uh will appreciate hearing you say that because yeah. uh i'm sure some of them are probably in the in the throes of editing right now as we speak <laughs> pulling away at their hair trying to figure out Indeed. what to do next now Indeed. speaking of what happens next 
Uh, what do you have coming up next? Can you tease the audience with anything Absolutely. you have Absolutely. Uh, in the works? So, uh, as I said, that I know was the first film of this anthology. I'm, I have called it, uh, named it an, an anthology trilogy mm-hmm. titled the Candela Trilogy, which is the name of the, the, the instrument. instrument. Okay, yeah. The instrument. Uh, but it, I'm actually writing the second script sorry the second draft no let me rephrase that i just got the second draft of the next film from my writer and we are now brainstorming that so i if everything if i can manage if i can get funding uh prepared and everything i hope that we're shooting the next film in next august okay Mm -hmm. and i'm also brainstorming the third film uh, I have the characters, I have the themes of, and each, as I said, each film is inspired by the folklore, the mythology, but they all introduce uh, a different protagonist, different character with different flaws and different strength mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so on. So I'm working on those two uh, sequels, if you want to call them that. Uh, and yes, hopefully once those are done, uh, I'm looking forward to expand these stories into the feature or a TV series. Oh, wow. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, where can uh, your new fans, because you'll have new fans, uh, that's right where, can they, where can they find you? Uh, website, social media, etc. Yeah, well, I'm in, in, on Instagram. Uh, so that's probably the best way to follow up all the adventures, but where the adventure is going next. And it's just like Terrell Lyle, but also I know has its own Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter uh, pages, and it's just I know short film that you should be able to find find material. Well, Tara, thank you so much. Uh, it has really been a pleasure talking to you, and Indeed, absolutely, um, thank you. Really, really enjoyed the film. I know, uh, listeners, that was our guest Tara Lyle, who has brought to us the film. I know at the Flick Fair Film Festival. If you have not yet seen it, please go and check it out. It is definitely worth your watch. Now, as you can hear, we've come to the end of yet another Flick Fair official podcast, but don't worry, we'll be back next week with another guest just as exciting as Tara. So until then, take care. <laughs>